let's pray. Jesus, thank you that we can be in this church this morning. We pray that your presence will be here and that we'll be drawn closer to you through this Bible study. May it give us encouragement in the dark times of our lives. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've got your Bibles this morning, I'd like to invite you to turn to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 23. And we're going to look at a story of a boy called David. In fact, he was a shepherd boy, an Israelite shepherd boy, who joined the army of King Saul. And this shepherd boy's metaphoric rise through the army until he became the commander-in-chief is an amazing story in itself. David would fight King Saul's enemies, the Philistines, with bravery, with courage, with wisdom. In fact, David was undefeated in battle. The Philistines and King Saul's enemies feared David, the commander-in-chief. In fact, David fell in love with King Saul's daughter, the Princess Michael. And Michael, as she looked at this dashing young soldier, fell in love with him and they married. Now, not only was David a wonderful soldier, but David was a very good player of the harp. In fact, he was a master musician. And King Saul suffered from bouts of depression. And when he would get discouraged and when he would be in those dark places, he would call David, his commander-in-chief, into his chambers. And there David would play his harp and pull Saul with his beautiful music out of these dark places. Saul, though, as he watched David, as he watched him fight the Philistines, who, by the way, were a, were a very wicked tribe who, who surrounded the lands of Israel, these Philistines were into the worship of pagan gods. They were into child and, and human sacrifice, and they lived depraved, wicked, evil lives. And, and so David would go into battle against these enemies of Israel, and he would win battle after battle. He would win war after war, undefeated, tremendous general. And as Saul watched the success of David, the monster, the green monster called jealousy, began to embed itself in his heart. And at least twice the Bible tells us, Saul, as David was playing his harp, tried to kill him by throwing a javelin, a spear at him while he was ministering, while David was ministering to him in his chambers. Well, eventually Michael... That's David's wife, the princess, and David realised that unless he escaped, unless he left Saul and escaped, that Saul would eventually kill him. And so that's what they did. Michael one night helped David to escape out of Jerusalem and he fled into the wilderness for his life with Saul's troops hot on his heels. Now David, there is no doubt that as you read the Bible, you get the impression that, that David was dashing that he was charismatic, he was the sort of person that people were drawn to. And many of David's soldiers left the army of Saul and followed David into exile. Some of these soldiers the Bible tells us about in 2 Samuel chapter 23. There were three in particular the Bible identifies as David's mightiest of the mighty men. They were Joshua. Bathsheba. Now, you wouldn't name your children that today. Joshua, Bathsheba, Eliezer, and Shammah. These were three of, of David's mightiest warriors. Joshua, Bathsheba, 
You wouldn't believe it, but this man in a battle one day, and you've got the supernatural God coming into these soldiers, these warriors. He killed with his hand in battle one day over 800 soldiers. Eliezer and Shammah, you see, even though David had escaped Saul, even though David was fleeing for his life from Saul, he was still fighting He was still fighting Saul's battles against the Philistines. And often this ragtag army that David had gathered around him in exile would follow him into battle against the Philistines. And twice his army under under great pressure from the Philistines, looking like they were defeated twice, two of his men, Eliezer and Shammah, stood their ground, killing hundreds of men around them and won the battle for David and in a proxy way for Saul against these wicked Philistines. There's a story in this chapter how one day David was, was, uh, he was in his stronghold, he was, he was in his place of safety in the wilderness and he was thinking of his home village of Bethlehem and there's a well in Bethlehem. You can read this story in 2 Samuel chapter 23 verse 14 to 16. There's a well there and, and David's thinking, oh how I would love to have a drink from the well of my childhood. And these three great warriors, his mightiest men, well, you see, the Philistines, they were in Bethlehem. And so these three warriors, they heard their beloved commander longing for a drink from the village well where he was born and where he was raised. And so they, they went off quietly. They drew their swords. And you wouldn't look, these, these men... These are warriors of courage and, and renown like, like perhaps we don't see today. They fought their way into the village through the Philistine garrison. They gathered the water, the, the water from the well, put it in a water pouch and then back to back. You can imagine the scene. They fought their way out and they brought it back to David. He was so overcome with the love these men showed him that he poured the water out on the ground in a sacrifice to the God of heaven who had surrounded him with these faithful men. And you can go through Second Samuel chapter 23. There are 37 of these mighty men. Now there were others who came to David while he was escaping Saul in the wilderness. But there were 37 of these mighty men that surrounded themselves around David. When he later became king, these became the generals, the rulers, the governors of his kingdom. These were the mightiest of the mighty men. And the Bible lists them in 2 Samuel chapter 23, with some of their exploits. And you can go through the list. Benaiah the Pirithite, Hezrael the Carmite, Zelik the Ammonite, Benaiah who was from Kazbeel, all these mighty men who followed David. And you can list through them, all 37 of them. And the very last one, verse 39, the very last mighty man that the Bible lists that followed David in 2 Samuel chapter 23 is Uriah the Hittite. Who is Uriah the Hittite? Well, he comes from the Hittites, who were a heathen pagan tribe like the Philistines, enemies of Israel. And we don't know what happened because the Bible doesn't tell us. But sometimes, somehow, somehow Uriah the Hittite was drawn to young David, the commander-in-chief of Israel's forces who was exiled in the desert, escaping his own king. We don't know what happened and how it happened, but he joined the army of David. And I look back through the, through the centuries and I imagine the scene as Uriah the Hittite fought with David. He fought with him through the ice cold of the Israeli winters and the, the blazing heat of the Israeli summits. 
He became a, a faithful, a loyal friend to David. It was David, there is no doubt about it. It was David that introduced Uriah the Hittite to God. And I don't know how it happened. I wish we knew the story. When I get to heaven, I'm going to find out. But somehow David, perhaps it was a, an icy cold winter night, sitting around a fire warming their hands, and David says, Uriah, look up at the sky. And these two exiles, men whose friendship is forged in blood, Together they look up to the sky and David points and he says, see those stars? And you can imagine the stars from one end of the sky to the other. He said, it was my God, the God of Israel that made those stars. And something sprang up in Uriah's heart. And Uriah made a decision not only to follow David, but to follow the God of David, to follow the God of Israel. Well, Uriah was one of the the great men of David's kingdom. When David became king, when he won the war, Uriah stayed in the army. Uriah fell in love with an Israelite girl. It'd be a good story. She was a beautiful, a beautiful one of the stunning girls of Israel. Beautiful to look at. And he fell in love with her and she fell in love with him. And they got married and when David was established on the throne, rather than than, than leave the army and settle into retirement, Uriah moved up in the army to become one of David's main commanders. And you would think the story would end there, wouldn't you? Here's this faithful friend of David's who's following God, who's been with David fighting his wars. David is now the king. You would think that with his wife they would have many children and he would settle into retirement. But the story doesn't end there. Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 11. And this is perhaps one of the greatest stories of treachery in human history. 2 Samuel chapter 11, it happened in the spring of the year at that time when kings go to battle, that David sent Job and his servants with him and all Israel out to battle against Ammon. And they besieged the Ammonites, but David remained at Jerusalem. Israel was at war with the Ammonites. David, who usually led the army into battle, this is the first time that he decides he'll stay home. Now look what happens. He should have gone to war. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed. And walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, this is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Now David should have stopped right there. He knew who Uriah was. It was his friend. He knew that this was the man he had brought to God. He knew that Uriah had left his own people, had left his own culture, had left his own gods and followed not only David but followed the God of Israel. He knew that Uriah was not home. He knew that Uriah was off fighting his battle against his enemies. And he knew that Bathsheba was Uriah's wife. Now it was not uncommon in that culture for women and men to bathe on the roofs of their homes. And as David looked at that beautiful woman, realising who she was, He should have stopped. And when the devil comes to you and he tempts you, you need to confront that temptation and stop it at the door of your heart. Do not let it come in. Do not let the devil come inside to continue the temptation. But David looked at her and she was beautiful. And he lost sight of who she was and who she belonged to and who he served. Because the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 11, I feel a sense of shame when I even read this story on behalf of David. 
Second Samuel 11 verse 4, Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he slept with her, and she returned to her house. And the woman conceived, so she sent and told David and said, I am with child. Stunning treachery. Unbelievable. Verse 6. Then David sent to Job his commander, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Job sent Uriah to David. And you can imagine the scene. David feeling the guilt and the shame and the reproach for his behaviour towards this, one of his best friend's wives. And he asked Uriah, how goes the battle? Well, Uriah tells him how the battle goes. It was going well. And then he says, why don't you go home? And so Uriah goes home to Bathsheba. And David is hoping, as you would imagine, that he's a man home from battle. He's going to spend some time with his wife. That The sin that he has committed will be covered up and everything will be okay. That's not how sin works. Satan gets you into sin and then he'll tell you what he does. He stomps all over you. He is going to make you pay the price. He'll walk into the sin with you, but he will leave you to pay the price by yourself. That's how sin works. So Uriah goes home to his wife Bathsheba, but he does not sleep in the marriage bed. And he will not sleep in the marriage bed. You get a a sense of the righteousness of the character of Uriah. He says, my friends, those who fight with me are around the walls of Ammon fighting David's war. How can I go home and sleep with my wife and enjoy the pleasures of marriage while my friends are at war? And so he goes home and he sleeps in another room. And David hears about this and he calls Uriah. He's becoming alarmed. You see, his plan of deception The sin that that he has committed is beginning to unravel. And he calls Uriah in and he says, Ma'am, what are you doing? You are home with your wife. Enjoy yourself. And this is Uriah's answer, verse 11. And Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents. And my Lord Job and the servants of my Lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go to my house and eat and drink? And to lie with my wife, as you live and as your soul lives, I will not do the thing. So David then gets Uriah drunk. He thinks, if I get the man drunk, then he'll go home and he'll do what he's supposed to do, and I'll be out scot-free. But I'll tell you what, even drunk, Uriah would not go home and sleep with his wife. And so David realises he is in real trouble. And it's interesting to me that when you fall into sin, you start to feel the guilt and shame and the price starts to come home. That often rather than acknowledging what we've done and facing the consequences, we just dig ourselves in deeper. And that's exactly what David is doing here. He just digs himself in deeper. And he's getting into more and more trouble. Because as I said to you, this is a story of infamy of unfathomable treachery. Look what happens, verse 14. In the morning it happened that David wrote a letter to Job and he sent this letter by the hand of Uriah. Verse 15. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set Uriah. I can hardly read this. Set Uriah. Set my friend. Set this man I brought to God. 
Certainly this man who's fought his life with me. Certainly this man who's left his family, his culture, his religion, everything. Set him. Look at what the verse says. Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck down and die. Incredible treachery. Unbelievable from the king of Israel who serves the high God of heaven. How could David do this to one of his best friends? This is sin at its darkest. This is the low point of David's life. Terrible, terrible act of treachery. Verse 16, so it was. While Job besieged the city that he assigned Uriah to a place where he knew there were brave men. And the men of the city came out and fought against Job and Israel and some of the people of the servants of David fell and that day Uriah the Hittite died also. What a terrible story. David then, and I don't know how David must have felt, but he takes Uriah's wife and he makes her his own. But you know, there is a God in heaven and he sees behaviour, whether it be the behaviour of David, whether it be my behaviour, whether it be your behaviour, whether it be the behaviour of people in our community, in our cities. Whatever happens in this world, whatever injustice occurs, God sees it. And sometime or another, God will visit judgement on the world, on the people of the world, on me for what we do. Very serious thing, how we behave, because one day we'll answer for how we behave in front of God, the high God, the king, the judge of all the heavens, of all the universe. And God saw what David had done. First thing he does, and it's a sad story, is when the baby is born, the baby dies. Terrible tragedy. This story is just getting worse. And then he sends Nathan, his prophet, into the into the throne room of David and he tells him a story about a rich man and a poor man and how the rich man was having a feast and rather than killing one of his own sheep to provide food for the feast he takes a sheep of a poor man and he kills the only sheep that poor man has and David in sense jumps to his feet and he says who is it? Who would dare to, to take the only sheep that a poor man has, a rich man and do this? Let, let me know who he is, let me know who he is Nathan and I'll deal with him well, Nathan looks at him and points the finger directly at the king and said, it is you, you who have taken Uriah's wife. And of course, the shame and the reproach of David. Plagues came on Israel. Thousands died because of this sin that David had committed. I don't know how David came to grips with this in his life. I don't know how he was able to live with himself. But there's no doubt there was shame, there was guilt, there was reproach. He, everything that you feel when you've fallen into to dark, dark sin. And eventually David did what we all need to do when we fall into those dark places that we feel like we can never get out of. And I want to tell you that where David was... Some of us have been. We may not have committed the, the treachery in, the, in exactly the same way David has. It may not even be the same sort of sin. But all of us, most of us at least, know what it's like to fall far from God. To, to do things that we're ashamed of, that we would shudder our families or our friends if they were to know. We would shudder if they were to know. 
We know what it's like to feel guilt and shame and reproach. We most of us know what it's like to feel dirty and grimy from sin. Some of us today may be in a hole that we feel we can't get out of. And if that's the case, we need to look at this story of David because he was in a hole. He had hurt himself. He had hurt Bathsheba. He had hurt Uriah. He had hurt his nation. He had hurt the cause of God. He was the king. He was meant to be the example. Everything about David in this story is wrong. He did everything wrong in this story. He did not do what God would have wanted him to do. But he did one thing that each of us should do if we get into trouble like this. And if you are in trouble, to me, this is the climax of this message. You need to do what David did. Now, David's sin was so bad, I don't think any of us can compare to that this morning. But as I said, we, some of us, are in deep trouble. We need to do what David did. He got on his knees and he went to God. And he prayed a prayer, one of the most beautiful, intense Wonderful prayers in all the Bible. And it can be found in Psalm, Psalm chapter 51. And my Bible says to the chief musician, a Psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Here it is. Listen to the prayer. If you've fallen into sin, go to this chapter and read this prayer to God. He will hear you. He will forgive. He will cleanse. Oh, so many of us need a cleansing. And this is what he says. This is David crying from his heart. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Verse 2, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. You can hear the appeal, verse 3, for I acknowledge my sins. It is always before me, verse 4, against you, only you have I sinned, O God, and done this evil and done this evil in your sight. He has cried out to God and I want to tell you today that more of us need to learn to cry out to God when we're in the darkness of sin and shame and guilt. We go off to counsellors. We try everything we can to appease the guilt and the shame of our lives. We need to go to God. Now, it's good to go to counsellors sometimes. But many times when we're going to counsellors, we should be going to God. Praying the prayer of David. The prayer of a guilty, shameful sinner. The prayer that each of us need to pray in our own lives. Verse 7, he says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. He's pleading. And do not take, he's begging, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. You pray that sort of prayer, God's going to hear you. He will pull you out of the pit. He will cleanse you. He will take away the guilt. He will take away the shame. And he will help you to live your life again. You know, David was able to live on to the ripe old age of 70. When he died, the Bible says God called David. God called David a man after his own heart. And if David, if David can participate in a sin of such treachery and darkness like that and find forgiveness with God, then so too can you. And as I close, I want to leave you with this thought. Soon Jesus is coming. That's a fact. Soon David will be resurrected. He is forgiven, walking with Jesus as though he had never sinned. 
And Uriah too will come up from the ground because he was a follower of God and two old friends in heaven, Uriah and David, will put their arms around each other. There will be weeping and there will be forgiveness because of what God can do in the sin-darkened, guilty hearts of mankind. What a wonderful God. Don't you want to follow him today? I recommend him to you. He can take any person, no matter how shattered, no matter how deep in sin, he can give them forgiveness and he can help them live again. I want to pray that that's your experience today. May you have the experience, you the sinners of this world, and I'm one of us. May we, may you, may we have the experience of David that we've studied today. God bless you.